we have a world that so desperately needs to hear about our God that there is hope when we're in those storms and it's raining and it looks like there's no hope for something to hang on to. You know, being gone during, again, spending this Thanksgiving really just, sometimes it just opens your eyes as you listen to the conversations going around the table, listen to the struggles and things that were happening. And so, you know, this Jonah story, there's a great truth from this story. You can run from God all you want. <laughs> you can't outrun him. The Bible says that there is nowhere you can go that God cannot reach in and get you. There's three things that all of us have in common. Those that are sitting here today, those who are li listening through live stream, those who will be listening to this for weeks to come. There's three principles. First one is this. When we run from God, when we don't look towards him at all, you end up running to the strangest of places. Am I right? Second principle, your life will eventually unravel and it will self-destruct. And thirdly, you always end up hurting those that are the closest to you. When we run from God, can I get an amen? See, this is important. Don't miss this. For those of you who are new here, you know, when I say don't miss this, I give a couple of these through the message, and I always joke, but it's true. If you had fallen asleep, I wanted you to wake up. And don't miss this. When a person runs from God, they're running away from the source of wisdom and truth. Just plain and simple. So I listened through conversations and had conversations with people this past weekend. You know, sometimes when you're speaking the truth, it's really difficult for some to accept that that maybe truly is the truth. You know, these last few years, boy, so much has happened. I've heard many refer to it that, we're, uh, that what this nation is going through, it's a wake-up call. It's just God kind of shaking us and going, come on, you got to wake up. It's a call for us as believers, especially. Turn our hearts back. Take a country. Turn our hearts back to God. And even although I believe it's true, I believe there's also a wake-up call for you, the church. A rally cry from the body of Christ to do our part in the crisis times that we find ourselves in. You know, when I received that call from Pastor Jeff, you know, I was just sitting there, my, you know, I immediately stopped and, and prayed for him. And, you know, the, I mean, Pastor Jeff, as you know, I mean, his message these last few weeks have just been amazing. And I'm thinking, God, what are you doing here? You know, anytime God puts us up and starts building us back up, the enemy so desperately wants us to take us down. But as I prayed, when I heard about Jeff, and then I asked, well, God, what do you want me to, what do you want me to share? You know, and he, and he said, you know, you need to talk to him. You need to share the story of Jonah about what's like to be in the storms and to know that I'm always there. You know, I'm, there's uh, one of the scripture verses in Jonah is 1-6. And so it says, so the captain approached him and said, how is it that you're sleeping? See, Jonah was in the bottom of the boat. Okay, there's a huge storm going on. He's sleeping underneath the boat. And he goes, how is it that you're sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that uh, we won't perish. Can I tell you, I believe this is the heart cry of our nation right now, today. But here's the issue. There can be no doubt that Jonah was the man God had chosen just for that particular time and that hour at hand. He was the one that was anointed for that purpose, to go and reach the Ninevites. Okay, and if you're new about the story, you know the Ninevites. I mean, well, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. 
He was the one, though, that God commissioned. He was commissioned. He wasn't commissioned by a king or the government saying, I want you to do this. No, no, no. He was the one the best suited for it. But instead of facing the challenge, you know what he did? Instead of facing it head on, this is what Jonah did. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Almatite. I want you to go to the great city of Nivea, and I want you to preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. <laughs> Nineveh is this direction. Tarshish is this direction. God says, I want you to go there. He goes, I don't think so. I'm going this way. He hated Nineveh. And Nineveh, the Ninevites, would, I mean, they killed people of Israel. They killed, they killed them. They raped their women. They stole from them. They don't. So he goes, I'm not, why would I go preach to them about anything? I want nothing to do with them. So he went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for the port. And after paying the ferry, he went aboard and sailed for Tarsus to flee from the Lord. He actually paid to get away from God, okay? I'm, I, there's no way I'm going to go to those people. And that made me stop as I thought about, you know, as the conversations were going on this weekend, you know, Democrat, Republican, geez, right there, it's like chaos, right? You know, and, that, and that's all, it's all bubbling up and everything, and there's all these division and everything, and, you know, a Democrat wants nothing to do with a Republican. A Republican doesn't want anything to do with a Democrat, you know, and it's like, look, I need to go over there and help them. I ain't going to help them. You know, they're not for me, they're against me. But you see, what God had in store for Jonah was a wake-up call. When he said, I need you to go to them. I know you don't want to go to them. He's talking to all of us today. Whatever it is, whether what institution it is, whatever organization it is that just ruffles your feathers, and he's asking, I want you to go to them. And, and, and because Jonah did, he got a wake-up call that he'll never, ever, ever forget. I have to tell you, I strongly believe right now in our world's history, we must decide whether or not we're going to be witnesses to all that's going on around us, or are we going to be channels of God's grace to a world that's full of anxiety, that's in the grips of financial crisis, school shootings, racial unrest, political chaos. You see, friends, like Jonah... We're called to, to be more than just merely witnesses. We have an advantage. You understand that, right? We have an advantage over the rest of the world. We, we have the hope. We have the hope of Jesus Christ. We have the hope of knowing things are going to get better. The world doesn't have this hope. Do you think about it? We have the healing salve that you can put on a broken soul. We got that salve. We got the antidote. Not the vaccine, man. We got the antidote to the problems that this world has. And that answer, that antidote is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. You know, I, I came across this story, and it's, it says one of the golfers on the pro tour some years ago was just a pompous egomaniac with the emotional maturity of a six-year-old. He could do nothing wrong. Always had a quick excuse for any loss. Ah, it's a lousy course. The other golfers were cheating. Ah, the weather was terrible. He'd always have something to complain about. As if the faults were not enough, he also was not above, they said, hustling a few extra dollars, playing amateurs in cities on the tour for 50 bucks a hole. So one day, he was approached by a man wearing dark glasses, carrying a white cane, who offered to play, I'll play you for $100 a hole. 
And a professional goes, I can't play you. You're blind. And he goes, well, yes, I am, but that's okay. I was a champion before I went blind. I can beat you. So now the conceited uh, golfer was, well, you know what? He wasn't doing too well lately. He goes, all right, I'll take the money. So blind or not, if the guy was crazy enough, he goes, I'll do it. He goes, you said $100, right? $100 a hole. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. Okay, it's a deal. So he said, so uh, I'm just going to warn you, you're going to lose your money. So when do you want to go out? And he goes, blind man goes, any night you want. Any night you want. <laughs> you see, friends, the church stands today where Jonah stood on the deck of that boat. The choice is to do or the choice is to die. Okay, it's obvious that, uh, that we are entering a season of divine shaking. There is no doubt. A season to choose to believe and to step forward in what we claim we believe in. Okay, Jonah, Jonah, who chose the who cares attitude. Okay, that's what he chose. But God is calling us to wake up to the storms around us. He's just telling you, wake up, friends. Look what's going on around you. For too long, you know, I, I get a little aggravated. You know, the church has lived in its own little worlds. Sometimes I find myself in that little world, you know. I was like Jonah. You see, you see when the storm started up, I, I, the story goes, you know, Jonah went down below. So, the, the, you know, all the sailors are on top. They're trying to save the ship. You know, it's starting to fall apart and all that. And he's underneath, sleeping. He's down at the bow of the boat, sleeping. But I, I, can I tell you, the church, for I believe, honey, is for... Just too long, we've been going in the direction it wants to go instead of where God might be asking us to go. Because we don't want to go to those Ninevites. I don't want to hang out with any of those Ninevites. You know, my prayer for all of us is that God will give us eyes to see, ears to hear to the real condition of that world that's around you right now. To really know how, what's the real condition of your neighbors? What's the real condition of your grandkids? your golf buddies, your tennis players. You see, friends, the captain shook Jonah. He went down and got him. Their lives are being ready. To, I mean, they're, they're losing everything. They had to throw their cargo overboard, which is their livelihood. They're about to lose their lives. The captain goes down under the ship, and he's down in the bow, and he goes to Jonah. How is it that you're sleeping? How can you sleep through this? Call on your God. Perhaps maybe he'll save us. That's what he did. What? Come on. Why, how can you not be concerned about not perishing? Friends, can I tell you, the world's running out of answers. Maybe that's, uh, I'm sure that's probably not news to you. I'm going to tell you, they're going to come to you and they're going to say, well, how can you sleep during this? Are you ready to give them an answer for the hope that you have? You see, at this illustration I came across, it said, you know, our nation began with Minutemen who at a minute's notice could be dressed and ready to serve. No doubt they drilled often, but one day as Paul Revere rode through the villages crying, the British are coming, the British are coming, they knew it wasn't a drill. The church needs to realize, friends, this isn't a drill going on right now. It's, this is no drill. What's happening in Ukraine? What's happening in Russia, North Korea, Iraq, Iran? This could be the church's greatest hour. It could be our greatest hour. Look, at there are so many storms of confusion out there, so many questions that just don't seem to have answers. There's storms of insecurity out there. Not so long ago, we felt safe. But that, that, that security, it's gone. 
Then there's the, you know, there, there, there's a, then there's so much noisy storms. You know, there's so many voices, so many opinions out there, so many life choices, so many different directions to go. Then there's all the storms of uncertainty. You know, we're all wondering, where is this all going to take us? I mean, don't you sometimes go, man, where, where are we going to wind up here? What's going to happen to my kids and my grandkids? Where are they going to wind up, right? You know, some churches, can I tell you, like the church at the Red Door, we face the realities with boldness, all right? Others will comfort themselves and hide from the problems and go underneath the bow of the boat. Church at the Red Door, we don't. We're on deck. We're on deck in the storm, all right? We're out there. We're going to battle this thing together, shoulder to shoulder. We're going to battle even with those that we do not like. We're going to come alongside them. Listen, if, if we don't respond to the spiritual needs of our family, our friends, and our country about the message of Jesus Christ, somebody else will. Remember, Jonah woke to find the deck full of people praying. You know where they're praying to? They're praying to their own gods. Our country is quickly filling with the deceptions of many false gods. We may just have to stand and tell them like Jonah did on the deck of the boat in the storm when they finally got him out from sleep and set him on deck and he says, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. We may have to go, I am a Christian. I am a Christ follower. I am a believer and I fear God, the God who made the sea, the God who made the dry land. I believe in him. We confront, friends, the counterfeits by simply declaring who we are and who he is. So we need to stop being afraid of somebody being offended by us. We just got to go, well, hey, this is what I believe. You know, this is, this is the God, all right? The counterfeits have, look at the counterfeits have been working while the church has been sleeping. The church, like Jonah, I, I, you know what's happening to us, am I right? We're being forced to come out. I mean, think about the story of Jonah. The storms come, blah, 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 we're going to sink and all come. Well, you, you got to come out now. you got to come out now. We, we've got to get back, in there, back into the Bible so we can give the answers and help point them to God. We need to speak while we can. Let me say that again. We need to speak while we still have the opportunity. I came across this little illustration. It said, with the Second World War behind him, the German Lutheran pastor, Martin Neimoller, wrote his famous confession called, quote, I didn't speak up, end of quote. It said, in Germany, the Nazis first came for the communists. I didn't speak up well because I'm not a communist. They came for the Jews. I didn't speak up because I'm not a Jew. He said, then they came for the trade unionists, and I didn't speak up for them because I'm not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Catholics. I didn't speak up for them because I'm Protestant. Then they came for me. And by that time, there was no one left to speak for me. Friends, Jonah was the... Oh, this is so important, friends. This is the, I mean, of the, the whole thing, this is... Jonah was the only one on board that knew how to get through to God. He was the only one. And where was he until they dragged him out? He was sleeping. He was the only one that knew how to reach God. Our chaotic world is in desperate need of prayer, and they need to get a hold of, and they need to know who the real God is. They just need to know. 
the conversations, you wouldn't believe some of the conversations I had over the weekend. Maybe you had some of them too. Some of the thoughts and directions and things that people are thinking, going, oh my gosh, you really don't believe that, do you? You know, you really don't. Can I tell you, there's a whole lot of praying going aboard that ship. No one was getting through. Because Jonah was the only one that knew how to talk to God. I came across this little story that said Abraham Lincoln was president during one of the most difficult seasons in this nation's history. And this is what he confessed, quote, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. End of quote. Would you say we find ourselves there today? Friends, can I tell you, our prayer life needs to stop being something we fall back on, but something we rely on. Do you know what I'm saying? How many times have you even said, well, everything else has failed, I guess we better pray. Can I encourage you? Don't wait for the 911. Don't wait till the crisis hits the call out to God. Can I encourage you all? See, don't miss this. The most underused power in the body of Christ, it's the power of prayer. It's the most powerful thing it could possibly be. You know, I shared with all of you a while back, and actually my brother and his wife are here today, and uh, when I finally, God finally smacked me around long enough, I became a believer in, in my 40s, I go back to, to their uh, town in uh, North Carolina, and I go to their church, and uh, I'm walking in the church, and the people are coming up and going, congratulations, congratulations, and I turn to my brother, what do they congratulate me for? He said, they've been praying for your soul for five years. <laughs> Power, a prayer. Prayer in a, in, in a 90-year-old woman is more powerful than a nuclear weapon because prayer can change a heart. It can change Putin's heart. It can change anyone's heart. It's the power of prayer. It changed my heart. There isn't anything that God can't do. But prayer, you know, is talking to him. you got to ask him. you got to reach out to him. That wayward child or your son or granddaughter that you're worried, you know, where they're going, what's happening, your health situation, you know. you got to talk to him. you got to ask him. Our prayers can make a difference in those storms. I, I, I love the story about praying in a storm. There's this woman, her name is Dottie. I'm going to read you the story. She's a school teacher for 13 years. She decided to travel. I'm sorry, I got to start up a cold, I think. Oh, boy. So uh, she decided to travel across America and see the sights. Traveling along in a truck with a camper in tow, she launched out. Well, one afternoon, she rounding a curve on the I-5 near Sacramento during rush hour traffic, her water pump blew. She was tired, exhausted, scared, and she's alone. In spite of all the traffic, and she says, I mean, it's traffic jams all around her, all right? No one seemed interested in stopping to help her. So leaning up against the trailer, she said, please, God, send me an angel, preferably one with mechanical experience. <laughs> she said within four minutes, a huge Harley drove up, ridden, she said, by an enormous man sporting long black hair, a beard, and tattooed arms. With an incredible air of confidence, he jumped off it 
And with not even glancing at her, she said, he went to work on the truck. She said, with another few minutes, he flagged down a larger truck, attached a tow chain to the frame of her disabled Chevy, and whisked the whole 56-foot rig off the freeway onto a side street, where he calmly continued to work and replaced the water pump. The intimidated school teacher, she said, I was too dumbfounded to talk, especially when she read the words on the back of his leather jacket, Hell's Angels, California. <laughs> As he finished the task, she finally got up the courage to say, thank you so much, and carried on a brief conversation, noticing her surprise at the whole ordeal. He looked at her straight in the eye, and he mumbled, don't judge a book by its cover. You may not know who you're talking to. God sends angels into our lives, sometimes when you least expect them, and in all different forms. He said, so with that, he smiled, he closed the hood of the truck, straddled his Harley with a wave, and he was gone as fast as he appeared. You see, friends, Jonah knew that he had to first make things right with God. He hadn't broken any of the Ten Commandments or any of the Levitical laws. Oh, no, no. He'd simply failed to fulfill his God-given commandments. Another, don't miss this. The church need not repent so much of immorality as complacency. I really believe that. It's not so much about our immorality. It's being so complacent. Can you imagine how helpless Jonah felt when he was actually then over, thrown overboard into the ocean. Can you imagine? See, my hope is that the church will return to total dependence upon God, where the plans and the programs and the schedules of church services are all dictated by the power of God, not by, I don't like 9 o'clock service. The music's too loud. You know, how nice it would be going, what is God directing us? Where is he calling us to? Things that really matter. I mean, really matter. Because I don't know about you, if you were a time with your family, they're not more important than family. They're just, they're just as, if you got a crazy Uncle Eddie, all right, it don't matter, okay? Because there's something about that unity, okay? There's just, you can't choose them. I understand you can choose your friends. But I'm telling you, there is nothing more powerful than unity. There's nothing more powerful than family. And the influence that you have on those family members, especially when you're closing in on Christmas and the holidays, those that you don't get along with, those you maybe haven't talked to in a while, you have influence in your life. And before you pick up that phone, before you go to those functions, ones that you don't even want to go to, don't make me sit across from Aunt Mary. You know what I mean? It says, no, no, no. Sit there and go, let God guide and direct. This is your opportunity to be Jesus to the world. It's your opportunity. Friends, we have the privilege, I don't know if you ever think about it, we have the privilege of preparing the way of the Lord. You know there's no one like him, right? I say this over and over again, nothing changes lives like Jesus Christ. Absolutely nothing. You know, I mean, some of these conversations and directions, they, you know, they went this weekend. The bottom line is I said, you know what, through all of this, I have faith in Jesus Christ. He's going to get me through this. I bet there's not a person in here who has been a follower of Christ for a long time, that you can look back over your life, and there was a situation you saw, I, I'm never going to make it past this. You know, whether it was a financial situation, whether it was uh, a loss of a loved one, or whatever, I'm never going to make it. And now as you look back over your life, and go, oh my gosh, 
He got me through. I remember times, how am I going to make my mortgage payment? You know, and then you look back and go, oh, I've been in the house now. I, I don't know where the money came from, but it came. I was so lonely, but God sent somebody to me. So in close, like Christ, Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days, but then was resurrected with a new power and a new strength. And I believe God, I believe this, is about to resurrect the church, fresh and new, like we've never seen before. And it's my hope and prayer is that the sleeping giant of our country will be stirred. My heart cry is that that sleeping giant called the church will rise to meet the challenge. Will rise to ensure that our children and our grandchildren have a same wonderful place that we grew up in. That we'll make those steps and stand for the right moralities. Okay, and we'll stand up for the right situations. We'll get on the deck of that boat and the water's going to be splashing on us and we're going to be hitting the tack. Remember what Jesus said. Hey, they hated me. They're going to hate you too. Because <laughs> you're going against. We're going against the, the current of culture. But all you got to do is some of the conversation, well, uh, is your life better without God? Uh, I mean, if you look around right now and all the systems that we put into place and how we want, how, 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 all, our, all our particular rights where it's all about us and all, well, how's it all going? Are things better than they were 50 years ago? Or are they worse than they were 50 years ago? Jesus Christ can encourage you as the answer. So my prayer is this, let the church arise, okay? God, let your hand be on this nation, amen? Let us not stay hidden, friends. Can I encourage you? Get out from the bow of the boat. You have the antidote. You have it. Don't forget that. Yeah, I understand you're going to offer it to some people. They're not going to take it. All God's asking you is offer it. If people didn't come into my life and offer me the antidote to what I thought was the world I was living in was the right world, I'd still be there. You know, you know, the, you know the good old days? Well, you know, let me tell you, they weren't that good. And I look back over from When I looked around during the holidays and I, and I brought my, my brother and his wife back with us and you sit around and go, the blessings of this world. You know, we, I mean, we're also, a lot of you have done very well in life. But I'll guarantee 90-some percent of you would say it's not the money. It's the love. It's the friendships. One of the things that I have developed my relationship with Christ that made all the difference. So this season as we go in and celebrate the most miraculous time where God, Emmanuel, becomes man to show us, look at, I care for you guys so much. Look at, the world's all topsy-turvy, but look, I got the answer. Just follow these things and watch how your life will change. So with that, I have this closing song, and it's called Let the Worshippers Arise. You certainly don't need to stand, but I would love for you just to listen to the words and let the Holy Spirit just minister to you. And I'm going to close right now in prayer, and then when the song is finished, you can certainly obviously get up and, and go on your way and grab some more donut holes and coffee. <laughs> so, Father, I, you know what, Father? I want to thank you for every man, woman in this room and listening on live stream and those who are listening on social media and Facebook and all those, Father. Father, may your spirit... I hope, Father, that it just stirred a little something within their hearts. Father, I pray that, that, that you 
just give us, a, kindle our heart a little bit more to realize, man, what we really have. And it's not something you want us to conceal. It's something you want us to reveal. It's like you said, Father, you don't put a candle and cover it up, okay? You put it on a table so the light can shine for all to see. So may that be true. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Last song, please.